0: You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you. It is good to be with you today us who are able to be here in person and also for those of us online. So good to be with you uh, today as well. Thank you for taking the time to worship the Lord with us today, uh, even if you're having to stay at home and, uh, and worship from there. This also honors God. You know, we just do the best that we can uh, in a difficult time. Jesus had just begun his ministry and had just preached a lesson in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth when this happened. Read with me from Luke chapter 4 verses 28 to 30. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way." They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Can you imagine? Why would anyone ever want to throw Jesus off a cliff? Even today, 2000 years later, Jesus is one of the most respected people to have ever lived. Even unbelievers, people who don't care for Christianity, hold Jesus in high regard. Why would anyone want to throw him off a cliff? Well, let's back up a bit in the story and let's think about what's happened in the book of Luke so far and let that lead us into our text today. In Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist is born. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born and he grows up. In John chapter 3, they are adults and John the Baptist begins his ministry of calling people to turn to God, to turn their lives over to God. And then as we read uh, together just a minute ago, Jesus is baptized in Luke chapter 3. If you follow Jesus and have not been baptized, you need to be because Jesus was. There is deep symbolism in the act of baptism and we could talk about that sometime if you like. But at its simplest, baptism is simply the first step in following Jesus. And when Jesus is baptized in Luke 3, heaven is opened and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And from that time on, Jesus works mightily in the power of the Spirit. When you follow Jesus in baptism, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, God gives you his Holy Spirit. So you receive your Holy Spirit at your baptism, just as Jesus received the Holy Spirit at his baptism. In chapter 4, as we just read together, The Holy Spirit leads Jesus out to the wilderness and Jesus fasts and is tempted by the devil for 40 days. Among other things, the devil tries to get Jesus to worship him. He tells Jesus, if you worship me, I will give you all the authority and splendor of all the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus replies that he will worship and serve God alone. Then Jesus begins his ministry. As Luke tells the story, Jesus launches his ministry in two towns, first in his hometown of Nazareth, and then in the town of Capernaum, which was 20 miles away. Let's read from Luke 4, beginning in verse 14. And uh, I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture here. Notice how Jesus' ministry starts in Nazareth, then continues in in Capernaum, and listen to how the people in both places respond to Jesus. Luke 4 verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician. Heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, "'You are the Son of God!' But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, "'I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent.' And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Well, after his tempting, as he began his ministry, Jesus, verse 14 says, return to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was empowering him as he began his ministry. In verse 15, he he goes out teaching. And Luke says, everyone praised him. He was an incredible teacher. He was becoming very popular very quickly. Verse 16 it says, Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown, and on the Sabbath he taught in the synagogue. The well, synagogue is just a Jewish church. It's Jews gathering together to worship God, just as we gather to worship God. Luke says it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus went to church every week, apparently. If you follow Jesus. And if you're physically able, you need to go to church, whatever that looks like in your particular situation. Right now, for a lot of people, it means being with us online or even uh, if they can't do that, just uh, joining us where they can uh, through uh, the internet or through uh, a recording. Sometimes that's the best that we can do, but we ought to do the best we can to meet together with God's people. They're in the synagogue. Jesus read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he proclaimed, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This 700 year old prophecy from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to free prisoners, to give sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the Lord's favor. We only have a few lines from Jesus' message that day. It probably went a lot longer than what we have. But it must have been a good message. Verse 22, Luke says, "...all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips." But then next thing you know, they're trying to throw Jesus off a cliff right there in his hometown. What went wrong? What went wrong? Naturally, the people of Nazareth remembered that Jesus had grown up among them, right there in their own town. They'd known him since he was little. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Or maybe it was more like, isn't this Joseph's son? As in, who does this guy think he is, claiming to be the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy? Who does he think he is, being some uppity young rabbi whom all the people are talking about? We know who he is, and we know where he comes from. He's going to have to do a lot more than just preach a good sermon to impress us. This seems to be their attitude, which explains why Jesus says that they'll quote the proverb, "'Physician, heal yourself!' Do what we heard that you did in Capernaum. Well, we don't know what Jesus had done in Capernaum at this point, if anything. He probably taught a little bit. We don't know whether he had already worked some miracles. Whatever it was he had done, he was becoming very popular very quickly. And the people of his hometown refused to join in with the paparazzi chasing after him. What went wrong? They loved his preaching. But at the same time, they were skeptical. They had heard something, they had heard about something he had done, maybe miracles, we don't know exactly. But they already knew him, and so they were going to be very hard to impress. And Jesus apparently senses that they're beginning to turn against him. So he warns them not to reject him like their ancestors rejected the great prophets of God, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah, Jesus reminds them, could have helped any number of widows in Israel. But instead, God sent him to help one widow from the region of Sidon, north. Of Israel. That story is in 1 Kings 17. Elijah gave this widow miraculous food and raised her son from the dead. Why didn't Elijah help the Israelite widows? Well, because Israel rejected him. And in rejecting Elijah, they rejected God. But the Gentile widow was open to God. Elisha could have healed any number of lepers in Israel. But instead, the one God healed through him was Naaman from Syria, again north of Israel. That story is in 2 Kings 5. Why didn't Elisha heal the Israelite lepers? Well, because Israel rejected him. And in rejecting him, they rejected God. But Naaman, this foreigner, this Gentile, was open to seeking the God of Israel. What does this mean for the people of Nazareth as they begin to reject Jesus? And he reminds them of these stories that they've known all their lives. Well, it means that if they reject Jesus, they reject God. And if they reject God, they reject his kingdom and his blessings and everything God would like to do for them. And if the Jews reject Jesus, then God will reach out to people who are open to him. He will reach out to non-Jews like that widow Elijah helped and like Naaman, whom Elisha helped. God will reach out to sinful Gentiles who are open to him. And the Jews will be left out of God's kingdom while the Gentiles are welcomed in. And that message is why the Jews in Nazareth try to throw Jesus off the cliff. This idea that God might reject them but receive sinful Gentiles instead, it was highly offensive. Really their reason for wanting to throw Jesus off the cliff is even deeper than that. It's the same reason why the Jews had Jesus crucified later. They were offended when someone suggested that they were doing wrong. Nobody likes to be told that they're doing wrong. Nobody likes to be told uh, that they're living in sin. They tried to throw Jesus off the cliff, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Who would ever try to throw Jesus off a cliff why would a person why would a person ever do that but this is what a lot of people do when Jesus begins to confront the sin in our lives in this case the sin of rejecting God's Messiah but it could be any sin as long as Jesus stops at preaching a great sermon everything's fine Not too confrontational, not too uppity. Who does he think he is, this young kid who grew up in our own town? But the moment that Jesus crosses that line and begins to challenge our spiritual complacency, the moment he begins to call out the sin in our lives, our hackles go up. We start to fume a bit and we face a decision. Do we accept the truth of what he's saying about us and let God change our lives? Or do we throw this troublemaker off a cliff? I had a friend many years ago who liked to chase women. When he learned that God commanded him to stop, he had a choice to make. And he chose to quit coming to church. He loved Jesus as long as Jesus didn't try to change his life. But see, if we tell Jesus, we'll only follow him as long as he does what we want him to do and no more, then we're just like the devil when the devil was tempting him in the wilderness. The devil said to Jesus, if you worship me, all these kingdoms and all their authority will be yours. Do what I want and I'll give you everything you want. We say, Lord, if you'll give me eternal life and answer my prayers and help me every day, but, but don't try to change me. Then I'll go to church and I'll pray and I'll worship you for the rest of my life. Just like Satan himself, we want to be master over Jesus. But Jesus says, my master is God alone. And so Jesus continues to do God's will by calling us to turn away from our sin, by calling us to accept him as he is, by calling us to let God alone be in control of our lives. And then we face the same question the people of Nazareth faced. What will we do with Jesus? If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to accept him for who he is. The Messiah, God's Son, our Lord. He is Lord, and we are not. God loves us just the way we are, and too much to leave us that way. And that's why He sent Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? My favorite part of this story is verse 30. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. I just find that funny. I love that verse. I don't know how he did it. Maybe it was a miracle. Maybe in all the confusion he snuck away. But it doesn't sound like he snuck away. It sounds like everyone saw it happen. Maybe his presence was so powerful that the crowd hesitated and he boldly strode away. There was no way, however, he did it, there was no way this crowd was going to be able to kill Jesus that day. His time had not yet come. But later in this story, later in his story, the time will come. Think about what happened when Jesus went to Capernaum. It was only 20 miles away. But the reaction of the people to Jesus in Capernaum was worlds apart from the reaction of the people of Nazareth to Jesus. In verses 31 and 32, Jesus teaches on the Sabbath again, and the people are amazed at his teaching. Verses 33 to 35, Jesus drives a demon out of a man. The demon knows exactly who Jesus is, the Holy One of God, he says, and he's right. And the demon is terrified of Jesus. Have you come to destroy us? It asks. Jesus had total power. Over the demon. This amazed the people even more. In verses 38 and 39, Jesus healed Simon's mother in law, who was sick with a fever. That's Simon Peter's mother in law. In verse 40, that evening, many people came to Jesus, bringing sick people and people possessed by demons, and Jesus healed them all, because that's what Jesus does when we come to him he heals us. That's what he does when we come to him on his terms. He confronts our sin and he heals us. Jesus was doing exactly what Isaiah had said would happen. In that prophecy that Jesus was now fulfilling. Proclaiming good news. Bringing freedom. Bringing healing. Proclaiming the Lord's favor. The same types of things that Jesus still does for us today. In verse 42... The next morning, the people of Capernaum do the opposite of what the people of Nazareth did. The people of Nazareth tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. The people in Capernaum don't want Jesus to leave. They go out and find him and ask him to stay. But Jesus does leave because his mission from God is to all the people, not just to one town. The people in Capernaum, they struggle with their response to Jesus later. But on this weekend, at least, they are good role models for us. They came to Jesus. They listened to Jesus. And they wanted more of Jesus. Because in Jesus, they saw the power of God. What will you do with Jesus? If you think of Jesus as a good teacher and an admirable person, that is a good start. But he is so much more than that. When he teaches, when he calls out your sin, when he calls you to take the next step in your faith, even though the next step is uncomfortable, will you be offended like the people of Nazareth and reject him and try to throw him off a cliff Or will you be like the people of Capernaum, and come to Him, listen to Him, and desire more of Him? When we come to Jesus on His terms, He heals us. In Jesus is the power of God's Holy Spirit. In Jesus is the love and the wonderful sternness of our God in Jesus is our hope our joy our transformation and as Jesus said the good news of the kingdom of God what will you do with Jesus God bless you let's pray Dear God, for us who are gathered here today to worship you both in person and online and for those who will share in this lesson with us later through the recordings. Lord, for us, we have decided what we will do with Jesus. We will come to him. We will listen to him. And we want more and more of him. Lord, work powerfully through Jesus our Lord and through your Holy Spirit to transform our lives, to take away sin, and to lead us in ways that are right and good in your sight. Empower us to serve one another and to serve our community better and better, that we may bring glory and honor to your name. Bless those we're connected with, or any who are here also who are deciding what to do with Jesus. Bless them, Lord, and give them wisdom, give them courage. Help us not to run when you confront our sin, but help us, Lord, to come and listen and be changed Uh, by you. We thank you for your great love, that you love us just the way we are, and too much to leave us that way. Lord, because of your great love for us, we also love you in return. May your name be praised today, Lord. Be honored this week in your church and in our homes and in our lives uh, individually. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.